In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hey, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with today's edition of Southern Fried Soccer. I'm here with Jason Longshore of 92.9 and Soccer Down Here. Uh, we just witnessed Atlanta United demolish New England 7-0 in a game that set or tied several MLS records. It matched the largest margin of victory in league history at seven goals. And New England earned the dubious honor of becoming the first team in league history to not even attempt a shot. If you look at the score sheet, which I just tweeted out a picture from at Doug Robertson AJC, I want you to count the zeros in the categories for New England. It is, frankly, a little bit embarrassing for the Revs, a team that needed a win to keep alive its playoff chances. Atlanta United now leapfrogs New York, is in fifth place in the East. Uh, several teams ahead of them are within walking distance with the games in hand that Atlanta United has. Jason, have you ever witnessed a game like this before? Bizarre from the get-go. I mean, we were talking about it when the New England lineup came out. Very strange decisions from Jay Heaps. And, I mean, the question I have after this from a New England perspective is, is what's, what now? Because Heaps has been there a long time reached MLS Cup in 2014, lost a heartbreaker, and they went downhill ever since. Kind of felt like this needed to be a playoff season for him to, to keep going in New England, and I think this ends that, that chance. And really feels like, from the lineup decision, New England it was mostly a, a defensive lineup is what we're referring to. And for a team that needed to win, they fielded a lineup that was very defensive. Yeah, it was – I don't even know. And the, the red cards came so early, so it's kind of hard to tell what it was going to be. But I don't think we ever truly figured out, is it a 5-4-1? Is it a 5-3-2? Is it a 3-5-2? What is it? It never really looked set, and that early goal from Joseph Martinez mm -hmm. broke their spirit. Right. You started to see New England players crowd the referee about every decision, and there was a lot of decisions for Valdemaro Toledo to make early. Mm -hmm. But lots of anger out of the Revolution players. I've watched a lot of their games in the lead-up to this. They seem to be a team that would struggle when things went against them. They seem to fall apart, a lot of bad body language. And you saw that tonight. They fell apart emotionally. Two red cards uh, just had nothing to fight back against an onslaught from Atlanta United. Yeah, the one, the first red card uh, was really weird. It, it was just a dumb decision uh, by Kawasi, who stepped on the, like the back of Almiron's leg about. 35 yards from Atlanta's goal, not even right. New England's goal, from Atlanta's goal. It was just, it was a dumb decision. The second one could be forgiven. It was a handball uh, on a shot uh, by Delamia. Um, 
unlucky. Yeah, it was unlucky. But you it had to be the red. Harsh for a red card yeah. because he was diving for the ball. Had to be the red when when yeah. he went penalty. He yeah, because had it was going to gonna go stop red. a goal, so right. it had to be a red. Right. You didn't um, have a decision at that point. VAR factored in tonight. Yeah. Uh, two decisions. Both of them were correct. Right. Uh, which they weren't correct in the Dallas game. Uh, <laughs> Gerardo Martino referenced that in his post game. He said he agrees with VR, VAR, but he thinks it's kind of boring. He didn't think it should have been used on the decision that led to the red card on the play against the side. He did think it needed was needed on the second one that led to the penalty kick. I would 100% um, agree with that. And Be- then he pointed out that it kind of balances out because the penalty kick that Joseph Martinez didn't get to take against Dallas, he thought should have been taken, that VAR missed that one. The thing about VAR, and that's been one of the biggest stories that I've had on Twitter since this game ended, is it has to be a clear and obvious error. And right. I, I don't feel like the decision in the Dallas game was clear and obvious error. I still don't know if they got it right. Right. And then tonight, I did not think that the first red card on Kawasi, I didn't catch it live. No, I, didn't, I, didn't I didn't think it was to that degree. When I saw the replay, it, it's a red card. It's it's absolutely a red card. And the penalty, that, that was 100% correct. That was very well done. They checked it. They got it right. I give them a lot of credit for that. I like VAR. There's still some kinks to work out. Now, we haven't even talked about the, most of the goal scores tonight. Let's run through that real quick. Uh, Joseph Martinez on an assist from Almiron early. He took a uh, – it was a tight angle. It was very it similar. Was no angle. It, it was ridiculous. very similar to the goal at Bobby Dodd in his first game back late against – um, Chicago. Chicago, yeah, yeah. yeah. The one from a tight – no, it wasn't Chicago. It was somebody else. It was a tight angle. It was a night game. Anyway, it was similar to that one. He had Viaba in the center of the penalty box. Oh, Columbus. Open. Yeah, Columbus. Yeah, yeah. And unmarked, but he chose to take the angle. He put it in. The one it reminded me of was Landon Donovan World Cup 2010, the one when he almost took the goalkeeper's head off from yeah. no angle. Because Except his name is not going to be mentioned on this podcast. <laughs> Skipping <laughs> you, you ahead, know I had to throw that Joseph in. Martinez scored on two penalties in the 31st and 39th minute to get his hat trick. He said he's never scored a first half hat trick except on PlayStation with Madrid. <laughs> Anton Walks added another, the fourth, just before halftime, another tight angle shot. That was a nice goal from Walks. Yep, that's his Very well second taken. game this and a year. Beautiful cross from Garza. He picked that walks was. out on the back post. Yep. We did talk about walks on Soccer Down Here's preview of the game and how we thought he was going to be fine defensively, and he came through on offense. Uh, Kevin Kratz buried a free kick, something he does in training all the time. Jeff Lernowitz, who had already been subbed off, said there was a bet on the bench, and now the trainer owes several players $5 because Kratz capitalized. We might have been the only two people who predicted that one because <laughs> I was saying the exact same thing as it's lining up, and it's Kratz on one side and McCann on the other. And it's like, why are these the two guys lined right. up over this with Almiron Martinez still on the field? Well, you saw it from Kevin Kratz. Just beautifully taken free kick. Yamil aside came through in the 73rd minute. And then Viaba with kind of a garbage time goal. But it all counts uh, in the 90th minute. So they win 7-0. Orlando City is coming to town on Saturday at a game in which Atlanta United is going to try to set the MLS attendance record, uh, which is 67,255. I think set in 1996 yes. between LA Galaxy and the New York, New Jersey Metro Stars. Oh, blast from the past. Yeah, they're not going to open the roof. It is going to be incredibly loud in this place. Oh. But Jason, what do we make of this team? They've outscored their past two opponents 10 to nothing. They had a lull for about two months in which, frankly, they really didn't play particularly well nope. for long stretches. They had some nice moments uh, in some games. A lot of yeah. fight, but not strong play. But now they are starting to roll, and they're starting to march up the Eastern Conference table. Um, 
was this a, was this a, them playing well tonight? Bad luck for New England, some sort of combination of both. And what do we think we're going to see against Orlando City? A combination of both tonight. I thought the Dallas game was the best 90 minutes this team has played. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're really rounding into form. Some of it is, is the field. Some of it is just where they are in the season and just being together this long. You have to go back and look at the break before the two-game road trip that did not go well, mm-hmm. and then the break after it. A lot of the players, and, and we talked to Bobby Boswell on, on soccer down here once he was getting settled, and he talked about how the team was mostly focusing on fitness during that time. There wasn't a lot of tactical work then. Very intelligent, I think, from Martino to focus on fitness. It was almost like a second preseason in some ways. Right. Because you had about a month with yep. two games in that span. And you get everybody fit for this run. And momentum, it, it does go downhill with this team. And now you get the big win against Dallas in one of the toughest opponents you have left in the stretch. Mm-hmm. You take care of business tonight, punishing a team for their own mistakes. And I think you're, you have a team coming in with a ton of confidence to face a rival. I, I think Joseph called it a rival. He did. So I, I was can, surprised that he said that. We yes. can we can officially say that now, and we don't have to, to fight anybody about calling Orlando <laughs> a rival. It's a rivalry, and it's going to be 70,000-plus. The team's going to feed off of that. Orlando's had a tough week. They didn't play tonight, so they, didn't, they don't have 90 more minutes of game action on their legs. But they came to Atlanta after the game in D.C. on the weekend. They trained here yesterday drove back to Orlando overnight. They're going to get a couple days of training down there and then fly back here on Friday. They didn't play, but that drive is going to take some out of them. Mm -hmm. So they're going to come in without Kaká. Without Hines, without Carrasco, I'm not worried about those two, but without Kaká, I don't know how they generate enough offense on this field. I think Atlanta can stretch them out, as they did against Dallas and as they did against New England, and I think Atlanta can take full advantage of 70,000-plus screaming 17s. To be fair, they haven't really generated a lot of offense with Kaká this season. Uh, he's True. probably, in my opinion, going to go down as one of the biggest disappointments in terms of DP signings in league history based upon the results that Orlando City has not gotten as a team. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think his performances have been okay. Not bad, not great, but he has not brought what was expected and what was paid for to Orlando. Uh, no playoffs in the first three years. Not many expansion teams in MLS have went through that. Right. Most make it within their first three years. Talk about heaps and questions about him. What about Christ in Orlando? Yeah, I, I, every week I expect to see Christ under the gun and. You know, Orlando City's ownership, to its credit, hopefully, is going to commit to the coach and not blow it up and start all over again because that's a cycle that once you get stuck in, it is very, very difficult to get out of. They have to give him this offseason. Right. They have to give him this offseason to get the right players and fix it because this roster right now is not built to do much in MLS. But as you know, in Major League Soccer, you can't just turn over a roster. No. You can't go nuts like you can in the EPL and just buy all new players. So they're going to have to be very judicious. Kaká wants to come back, and that's going to be a whole nother headache for the team because they can't bring him back as a DP. They've no. got to find would some you, way to Would you bring him back as a TAM player? Uh, yeah, I, w- I think I could do that, uh, but I could I not too. bring him back as a DP. I'm, I'm with you. But let's switch back to Atlanta United here for a second. Okay. And how high can this team rise in the Eastern Conference standings, do you think? So looking at it, coming into this homestand, 
I was consistently saying that fourth place should be the baseline. Third place is is a target, I think, that was reachable. But now, with the way they're playing, the way they're looking, combined with some of the issues and injuries that New York City has, second place isn't off the table right now. And we'll just have to see where things go. New York City should get second place. Yeah, you would think. They should. They have such a head start. Depends on how long Villa's out. Depends on Alexander Ring and Yonel Herrera, I think, might right. be even more important. Right. Missing so many pieces right now. NYC is struggling. Mm-hmm. And beyond that, I don't see anybody else. I mean, Chicago is not convincing at the moment. No. I think it's down to really this team deciding its own destiny. And six home games out of eight gives them a huge opportunity. Atlanta United has been fortunate, and this is nothing of their doing, that a lot of results have gone their way for the past two weeks in terms of the other playoff contenders that they we thought they were going to be fighting with for a spot, right. just kind of dropping off. You have to wonder at some point if that luck is going to run out. Um, I, I still think Atlanta United is easily going to make the playoffs, especially after getting six points in these first two games. To get to second is going to take a lot of luck and it a will. lot of results in their favor, a lot of results not going in NYCFC's favor. And that's going to be a little bit – that might be too much to ask. But it, it is possible. Them, it's possible. It would take them out of the six remaining home games probably winning five and picking up a draw or two out of the other three games, the two on the road and one of the other home games. It would take – pretty close to maximizing your points and really in getting help the toughest game that the team has left on paper you would argue is toronto except maybe toronto is already going to have the supporter shield locked up it's already going to have the number one seed in the eastern conference obviously locked up it may not need to start its a team it may not even start this b team Right. In that game. Right. Um, the game in, the game at Red Bull Arena, I think, is yeah. the one that will really say a lot about right. where this team finishes. That's a tough game. And we'll see. Red Bull is starting to kind of put it together again. Sometimes. Um, yeah. They're very inconsistent. Yeah, but they're a fun team to watch. They are. Uh, and, of course, I'm sure Atlanta United would like nothing more than to get the points they dropped to Red Bull back in that inaugural game when they were up one to nothing and then had two defensive lapses, right. as they tend to do sometimes in games. And... The Red I haven't Bulls seen any of those of lately, though. That's no, the no, thing no, about this like, team. Defensively. You did it against DC and you did it against Philly, but right. you have it against Dallas, and especially not tonight. Defensively, this team could end up being third, fourth in the league in goals allowed. That's pretty impressive for yeah. year one. I mean, that's almost unheard of for year one. And all the highlights have been and all the, the headlines have been the, the front four. But this backline is the best expansion backline in MLS history. I, I don't think there's any question with Parkhurst's pedigree, mm-hmm. with Garza being potentially national team pool level. You get Anton Walks, which you didn't expect that. And you didn't expect a best 11 type of season out of Leandro Gonzalez-Pires. Yeah, when Perez is on, in my opinion, he's one of the best in MLS. Best 11, in my opinion. And he's been on the past couple of games. I would argue that he wasn't against D.C. and Philly. Um, Those were two of his worst performances, but, I agree. But, you know, he's got – well, you, didn't, you haven't seen it the past two games. You haven't seen the arm raise, looking around, getting mad about calls. So maybe the staff has had a talk with him about that, or maybe he's came to the, come to that realization himself and just matured just a tiny bit. Um, I did ask Parkhurst about the defense um, because, you know, I said one of the knocks on the team from other you know people who, who observe the team – 
has been the defense. And if getting back-to-back shutouts, now they have seven shutouts this season. They still trail Toronto, which I think leads with 14 right. by a long margin. But the defense is rounding into shape. I think that kind of goes hand-in-hand with what Martino said about the Dallas game, that the team really played transition defense very well and really got into its transition offense very well. It never got caught kind of doing one and not the other, which right. has been a problem throughout the season. Um, I think that goes to the tactics, the, the break, mm-hmm. the fitness. I'm sure they worked on some of that during during the month of August uh, when they had so much time off. I know they talked about watching a lot of video and working on that. So it's going to be a fun final few games. We're going to wrap this up. We've hit the 15-minute mark, and that's about all my attention to make it take, <laughs> much less everyone else's. Jason, tell everybody how they can find you on social media. Uh, check me out on Twitter at Longshoe. Uh, also, Soccer Down Here at Soccer Down Here. We're Monday to Friday, 9 to 11 every morning. Uh, it's available as a podcast. You can also listen live, blogtalkradio.com slash soccer down here. Doug joins us for every pregame. Uh, we give our predictions. Nobody had 7-0 today. No, no, I don't <laughs> think anybody's going to have that the rest of the season. Unless Toronto has locked everything up and Atlanta United needs to try to get that second spot. Um, this is Doug Robertson again. You can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes It's called Southern Fried Soccer. And I hope that you'll subscribe to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, both paper and digital. If you have to choose, the digital is a fantastic bargain. You can find all of Atlanta United's coverage there, as well as all the other sports in Atlanta, the colleges in the city, University of Georgia, a bunch of great writers, great reporters, great columnists who work very, very hard to give you the best information possible. Thank you, and have a good night.